Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. I am really excited to bring you the second part in our series about building your church. So, this is a room full of church kids, pretty much. Will you guys, along with me, commit just to open up your heart and ears tonight and hear all this for the first time? Because I'm going to bring up some stuff that we've heard our whole life. But because we've heard it our whole life, sometimes we just kind of have deaf ears to it. It's lost its excitement. We have no enthusiasm. We're also not getting any benefit from some of this stuff. So I want to kind of take us back to square one and teach us how to build our church the right way. Are you guys with me? Okay. This series, like I said, has been just as good for me as it will be for you, I think. And the Holy Ghost has been helping me a whole lot. So tonight I want to talk about serving your church. Serving your church, and I'm excited to talk about this. So I do want to talk about it because, I don't know, can we all agree collectively that most people serving at church aren't, like, super enthusiastic? I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about the people you serve with, right? We show up, you're in the classroom, and you're like, there's like a negative two level of excitement here, right? The door greeters, I think, do a great job. They are enthusiastic. Other than that, it's not like I'm always seeing tons of enthusiasm throughout the building. And this tells me we're doing something wrong. Because it doesn't make sense for me to get up here and be like, church is the funnest thing in the world, and you should serve here, and you should build your life here. And you look around, and you're like, yeah, but everyone here doing their job seems like pretty bored. We know the issue's not on God's side, but it's on our side, and I do not want to show up just like in a mundane way to do what I do at church. I don't want to feel frustration. I don't want to be tired. I don't want to lack in any area because, like we said last week, everything that we do matters. What you do matters here. We're all contributing, so I want to talk about how to serve, why to serve, and the heart to serve tonight because I really do believe serving is really fun. There have been times in my life where I thought it wasn't fun, and it's because I was doing it the wrong way. And there have been times in my life when I thought it was so fun, and that's because I was doing it the right way. So it can be either one for you, but really the issue is not whoever leads your department, and it's not the kids in class that day, and it's not whoever you were paired up with that day. No, the experience that we have while serving is 100% dependent on like the state of our heart when we're serving. That was a long statement. I'll say it again. The experience we have when we serve is 100% dependent on our heart when we show up to serve. It's all about our heart. So if you think serving is boring and you don't really enjoy volunteering, we can turn that around and change it tonight. Are you with me? Okay, this will be fun. Let's start in Ephesians 4, verses 3 and 4 tonight. And then we'll jump to verse 16. So if you're a hardcore note taker like me, Ephesians 4, 3 through 4 and verse 16. I don't like when they don't tell me the other and verse, because then I write a bunch of stuff, and it's in the way, and I don't have room to write that in my notes. So if you don't take notes that way, it's no biggie. But if you do, I got you. All right, Ephesians 4.3, it says this, Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit, as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. So mental note there, one body, one spirit. And we'll take a look at verse 16 next. It says this, For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. This is talking about us. Every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively... 
throughout the whole body, we're built up and made perfect in love. So it was a little wordy. We'll break it down tonight. I want to focus first on verses three and four. What is this saying? Verse four is saying, it is not about me. It's about us. It's really significant the way Jesus is describing the church and how it should operate. He says, you are one body. When you guys refer to me, if somebody's talking about Morgan, you're not just talking about like my hand, right? Or my foot or my knee. It's understood you're talking about me. Because it's, it's all connected. My hand isn't separate from my foot. You can't really talk about one part of me and not talk about the other part of me. That seems silly to explain, but when you're talking about me, you're talking about me head to toe. I am Morgan. This is me. That's how the church is as well. So many times we're seeing it in these different parts and like, well, there's this over here and there's these people over here and this church here and that church there. God is saying, no, no, no. You're one body, the church. It's not about you. It's about the body. So, so many times when we're focusing on ourselves, that's why we're showing up to serve with a bad attitude, right? Because we're not thinking, no, this is my part as the body. I'm showing up to work as one with these teams today. No, we're saying, oh gosh, like, well, I'm with this teacher today and she's kind of weird. Or like, I only got like two hours of sleep last night. So like, I just really don't feel like it today. Or, you know, I got teamed up with so-and-so and they're like super bossy and I don't really like working with them or whatever it is. No, 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 no. It's not about you. You're losing sight of the big picture here. God is saying, you are the body. There's many parts, but but you are one body. He says, my church is one body. We're supposed to show up and serve as one. It is not about me. Now, verse 16 says something important, which is to say that you have a part to play. So this is like a balance. It's not about you, but you have a role to play. You're needed and you're valuable, yet it's not about you. It's about the body. No part is discounted. Every part is required. But at the same time, we're not focused on one part. We're focused on the body. And we saw this in the verses I read last week about the early church. It was saying they had a church service every day. And the members of that church literally sold everything they had and gave all the money to the church so that they could take care of people who were in need. This is like very anti-American. Okay? This is why... We're going to have a little bit of a hard time with this. I'm talking to your mindset tonight because we have been raised in this country on the American dream, which says what? You can be whatever you want to be, right? You can work for whatever you want to work for. It's yours. You've earned it. You can make it happen. And there's some value in that, and I appreciate the encouragement, but... That's not the way the early church functioned. They sold everything they had and gave their money away. Think about that for a second. It wasn't about them. It was about the body. What happened is they were no longer viewing that stuff as theirs. It wasn't an attitude of like, well, I've earned this, or I've worked for this, or this is mine. Why are you going to give that to that person? Do they even work? No, it's we are the body. I am one. I'm part of this body. So I'm going to give to make sure the needs in this body are met. And this is completely different from how we were raised. And I'm not talking about socialism. I'm not getting political at all. But I am talking about being generous and learning to serve in a way that says it's not 
about me. I'm not serving for my benefit. I'm serving because I'm part of this body and this body needs to work and function right for the outcome to be people meeting Jesus. If I want this thing to grow, I need to show up and do my part so that everything here works correctly and this body is healthy and whole. And that's what Jesus is illustrating for us in these verses here. And then it's so extremely countercultural for our country more than like any other. We are raised to be extremely individual, right? You are special, and I think that's true. And you can do whatever you want to do. You can achieve great things. I think all of that's true. However, my motivation is not to be special or achieve great things. My motivation is to do what I'm called to do within the body so that the body is healthy and growing. So this is a big kind of mind shift. It's not about me and what I'm called to do. It's about me and what I'm called to do in the body. We have to keep it in the right context. Ask yourself this. When you think about what you're called to do, do you just think about you? I've been there before. Like, well, I want to be, I want to do a great job because I really want to walk in my calling and I really like, I want to be excellent. I want to be the best I can be. But frankly, my motivation behind that was for people to be like, wow, she's so gifted. She does a great job. That's a wrong motivation. My motivation should be to be the best that I can be in the body. Do what I'm called to do in the body. To show up and be, uh, you know, everything God has made me to be, but in order to make this body healthy. So God does care about you, the individual, but you're called to care about the body. I don't have to care about myself and watch out for me and try and grow and become successful. God is going to take care of that. What does he say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything's going to be added to you. God cares about me so much I will be taken care of, but I'm going to show up in a way that says, I don't care about me. I'm here for you. I'm here for the people of this body. It's not about me, but there is a place for me. And I want to look at 1 Peter 4 verse 10. I love this. Love it, love it. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. He's speaking to our motive and our intent here. He says, I have gifted you. Here's the reason. To serve. Not to make yourself rich. Not to be successful. Not for people to be like, wow, they're great at what they do. No, God says, I've gifted you. Now go serve. How many people do we see who are so gifted but are just in it for themselves and in it for the spotlight, right? You are gifted to serve. You're not gifted to become famous. You're not gifted um, so that other people can admire you. (laughs) You're not gifted for any other reason than to serve. And too many times we take pride in our gifts and say like, well, you know, I'm I'm pretty good at this or like God has just anointed me for this. Yes, he has, but he doesn't anoint you for a spotlight. He anoints you to serve. So many people are like, I can't wait till I get to use my gift. Well, go use it. Are you just waiting for like a stage to use it on? Or like, you know, go use it back in the classrooms. If you love to sing and you're not on the worship team, tell the children's people or whatever. Like, I love to sing. Can I sing in the kids' class or something? I'm not, I'm not saying you can do that. I have no idea. Ask Brother Sean. But my point is that so many times people are looking for like an opportunity to serve and use their gift. And you're like, I don't know, I can think of like 15 opportunities for you to serve. They're just kind of like back with three-year-olds or over here with these homeless people or over here with the people who are like on the perimeters here. Too many people are looking for a platform when you should really just be looking for an opportunity to serve, to 
serve. God says you are gifted to serve. And really, I think the logic here is to say, if you're not using your gift to serve, you're using it the wrong way. If you're not using it to bring benefit to other people, you're using it the wrong way. You know what my favorite thing about one of my gifts is? I'm good at talking. I'm not saying I'm a great public speaker, but I've, uh, I can just talk, you know? You guys know that. <laughs> I talk when I'm nervous. I talk when I'm not nervous. Whatever, I talk. And I think a lot of people see that and say, like, well, it's great that you preach because, like, you know, you're really comfortable public speaking. No, my favorite thing about my ability to talk is that if I see someone sitting over there and I can tell they're uncomfortable and I can tell they feel like they don't belong here, I can go sit next to them and I can talk to them and I can make them feel like they belong. That's the purpose of my gift. It's not this. It's not a microphone in my hand. No, if I'm good at connecting with people, that means I'm going to connect with those who are on the outskirts. That means I can go serve the homeless because it's not weird for me to talk to them. It means I can go volunteer at a detention center because I can sit there and talk to these kids about anything. My gift is to serve. So I want to ask you, what is your gift and are you serving with it? What's your gift and are you serving with it? With it. And listen, there's nobody's gift that's discounted. That verse literally said, God has gifted every single one of us. I have a lot of gifts that are like really boring and not super fun and dazzling and exciting, right? I'm good, pretty good at like organizing things. I can get things done. I can sit and talk to somebody for a long time. You know, for a long time, I thought I wasn't like that gifted. And then, then I just realized like my gifts were just none of the ones that I really wanted on my list. It's fine though. That's what God gave me. So that's what I'm going to serve with. I'm good at being ridiculous. This is why I'm great volunteering with children. They think I'm funny. I think they're funny. It works out great. I use my gift to serve. So what are you gifts? What are you gifts? <laughs> What are your gifts and what are you doing with them? Are you serving? Because your gift was given to you to serve with in the house of God. And I want to give you, for the next part of this today, three simple reasons to serve. Three simple reasons. These aren't going to be mind-blowing, but again, with this whole series, I'm kind of challenging us to shift the way that we're thinking and wake up and sh actually show up to church excited and actually show up to church ready to do our part and show up to church and serve. Three simple reasons to serve. The first thing is that you are acting like Jesus when you serve. Let's look at Mark 10, verses 43 through 45. It says, you are to lead by a different model. If you want to be the greatest one, then live as the one called to serve others. The path to promotion and prominence comes by having the heart of a bond slave who serves everyone. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life as the ransom price in exchange for the salvation of many. And this is really powerful to say that when God came to the world, he came to serve others, not to be served. He came to serve others. And I think sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the fact that just our ultimate goal is to be like Jesus, right? The word Christians just means little Christs. We are supposed to be as Jesus was in this world. And God is literally telling us his mission here. He came to serve. He came to serve. And that's what we need to do. We need to have that heart to show up and serve. I want to ask you, what would Jesus do? You know, what would he do? He would serve. He came to serve other people. He hung out with people who weren't cool. 
he hung out with uh, people that the, the people in the church didn't like very much, right? He stopped and he found the people uh, who couldn't get to him because they were paralyzed or the people who were desperate for healing. He could have been preaching to crowds, but we see so many times that he stopped to minister just to one. Why? He was there to serve. He was there to serve. And when we serve, we're walking as Jesus walked in this world. So when you serve, you're acting like Jesus. The second thing is that when you serve, you're really serving God. And again, this is a good way for us to keep our heart right because it's really easy to get burnt out when you do the same thing for a long time. I've done a lot of things for a lot of years. I know that it's easy to get burnt out. But how do you show up excited and how do you uh, keep your heart right and, and realize what you're doing? Well, the bottom line is that, number one, I want to be like Jesus. But number two, what I'm doing for other people, I'm actually doing for God. And we see this in Matthew 25, 40. In the Passion Translation, it says this. And then the king will answer them, don't you know, when you cared for one of the least important of these little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated your love for me. If you read it in some other translations, the wording is a little bit different, but it basically says, hey, when you took care of these other people, you took care of me. This is Jesus saying this. When you served these other people, you were really serving me. And that will keep me motivated to show up and to serve when I realize this isn't about who's on the other end of this. Maybe this grouchy person I'm dealing with this day. Maybe this person that I'm doing something for who doesn't care and is still going to be rude to me, right? Because not every part of serving is fun. I work in customer service, serving. It's not all fun. Sometimes people are coming through the door and I'm just like, mm, I don't want to deal with you today. So I'm just going to get on the phone and I'm just going to point over there so you can sign yourself in and then I'm just, we're just done. You know, I get it. There's rude people. There's mean people. There's annoying people. There's all of the above. But I have to check my own heart and say, listen, when I treat them poorly, I'm treating God poorly. That's what God said. What you're doing to them, you're doing to me. He said, when you serve them, you're serving me. But the other side of that is what? When you're treating them unkindly, that's your attitude toward God in that moment. Yeah, that's a harsh reality. Literally, every day, this is me sometimes. I love my job. But there's a lot of people who come through the door that I'm just <laughs> not down with, you know? Not nice. And I have to check my own heart and say, like, listen, I'm not going to allow myself to have that kind of sour attitude towards them. I have no idea what their story is. I have no idea what their life is like. And I would never want to admit to having that attitude towards God, yet I am when I have that attitude towards his people, you know? Another verse that I love on this topic is in Colossians 3, verse 23, also in the Passion. It says to put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you were doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Now, you guys might, I don't know if some of you got cold chills when you read that because if you grew up in church, then your mom kind of like gave you the scripture when it was time to do chores and you had a bad attitude and she'd be like, do everything as unto the Lord. And you're just like, I, okay, okay. No one else had like a, a scripture mom? Okay, I'm grateful for my scripture mom. But that's what this verse makes me think of. Do everything as unto the Lord. I literally picture myself like doing homework and cleaning the bathroom. Those were the things I did as unto the Lord for many years when I lived at home. But it's still a powerful truth. God is saying everything that you do, do it as if you're doing it for God. Why? Because it'll keep your heart right. 
It will keep your heart right if you literally act like every single person that you serve is an opportunity to serve them and serve God. It's not just about the person across from you. It's about your heart toward God. So when you're serving others, you're really serving God. And the third thing that's a simple reason to serve is that serving others will refresh you. Proverbs eleven twenty five tells us this. And I love it. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. There's some other translations that say those who bless others will themselves be blessed. And I want to talk to you about this again for a second because this goes like a little bit against the American dream of just like, let me work hard so I can build everything I want to build and get all the money that I want to get and all this stuff. God is saying, no, 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 no. When you refresh others, you will be refreshed. We are working so hard in life to feel good and have money and get the things we want. And God is saying, no, that's backwards. You have it the wrong way. When you bless others, you will be blessed. And there are so many studies that show we are the chronically tired generation. Tired. Especially, uh, you guys might not be old enough to hear this yet, but also my generation is like the very loudly financially unhappy generation. They complain about their student loans. They complain about living wages. They complain about their job. They complain about this. And it's all just about money. I don't have enough money. I can't get enough money. I can't make it. I can't, it's not working. I need more. I need more. I need more. I need more. And I understand that. And I definitely feel for people, uh, you know, who are struggling. And I've been there. You guys remember that one time I didn't have enough money to eat at Taco Bell the day my Taco Bell reopened? I know what it's like to not always have a lot of money in your bank account. But I'm not going to open my mouth and complain and act like other people just need to give me stuff so my life can be more comfortable. No, God said, you bless others and you will be blessed. This doesn't make sense. You know in the Bible when God says, I'll use the foolish things to confuse the wise? This is what he's talking about. I'm going to ask you to do something that's not going to make sense, but it's going to work. When you're tired, when you're dry, when you're just feeling crusty, when you're drained, when you're over it, how do you find refreshing? You don't need more self-care. You need to refresh others. Serve others. When you bring refreshing to others, you will be refreshed. Noah said it in his camp testimony. He said, I showed up to camp like, tired super tired and it doesn't make sense but at the end of camp I was so refreshed I was sleep deprived I'd eaten terrible food I had been going non-stop for days yet somehow at the end I'm refreshed that was God's principle working saying yeah when you refresh others you're going to be refreshed similarly when you bless others you're going to be blessed this is the principle that God's kingdom operates on and it makes no sense that's why our brains fight us on it does it make sense that I could tithe and give away more of my money and come out better on the end? No, that doesn't make sense. But does it work? Yes, <laughs> yes. Because God says, my thoughts are higher than yours. My ways are higher than yours. And I struggled with this for a long time because I thought I was being like a smart Christian and, and my heart was right. I really was kind of like, I want to know what I believe and why I believe it. 
And that's important. But then I hit some of this stuff that I couldn't always make myself understand. I was wanting to know, like, how does this work? And God had to finally speak to me one day and say, you don't need to know how it works. You just need to know that it works. How can I lay my hands on a person and then receive healing? I don't know exactly, but I know it works. How am I going to give more and more and more of my money away, yet end up having more money at the end of the day? I don't know, but it works. How am I going to be tired? and grouchy and worn out, but I'm going to show up to serve some homeless people a meal or work in the kids' classrooms or be a greeter at the door. How am I going to show up and do that? But at the end, I feel so much better. Yeah, it's God's principle that says when you refresh others, you're going to be refreshed yourself. So I want to say if you're feeling dry and crusty, I would highly recommend volunteering in an area you never have before. If you're tired of something, okay, that's fine. Look around. There's like, if you actually count up all the departments in church, there's like 30 or 40 or some kind of crazy number when you think there's only like eight. There's so much you can do here. Find a new area to serve in. When you bring refreshing to others, you're going to be refreshed yourself. That's God's law. It doesn't make sense, but it works. And I love that so much. And I want to, you know, kind of come back to the early church. And when we see what they did, Everything they did sounded like a party. And this is how I know it was a good time because it says people were joining their numbers every single day. People liked what they saw at church so much that every single day there was new people coming and staying, new people coming and staying. What was the church doing that was making them do that? They were having a service every day. They were selling all their stuff and giving all their money to the church. And they were living in peace with one another. So this stuff, when we look at our church, sometimes, um, you know, you can feel like your role is insignificant if it just kind of feels the same every week, right? It's the same people and the same faces and the same situation and the same conversations. And I get that. But if we want to see that change, then we need to live this out like the New Testament church did. When we do that, I really, truly believe we'll see new people here every single week. It's not an extreme way to live. It's an attractive way to live, to know that you're not alone and that this is a body, it's great. It's great. I think that's half the reason why Americans are just so unhappy when we focus just on the individual in ourself. That's so isolating, right? We take so much pride in like, I'm doing this on my own and I've worked so hard and I've done this. Yeah, but like, are, do you have anyone to even celebrate with? No, you did all that on your own. We weren't meant to do this alone. It's not about a person. It's about a body. And in the spirit of the Olympics, we could say this. It's not about an individual, but it's about the team. The team. This is about our team. I want to see you win. Because when you win, then I win, then our team wins. That's the attitude of teammates. This is why it gets on my nerves when people criticize each other in the church. It's like, that's your teammate. Right? When people have the nerve to be like, well, they didn't really sound that great today. Well, they're on your team. So why don't you pat them on the back and say, good job, and rally around them, and let's go back and do better next time, right? I'm tired of people acting like, well, I don't really like to, to, to serve like with that person. I hate when I get scheduled with them. Like They're so weird or they're really intense. They're your teammate. Why don't you show up and cheer them on? Even if they're not doing a great job, cover up for them. Be like, hey, it's okay. I got you. When we watch all these sports on TV, that's what those people are doing. If somebody goes out there and they mess up, you don't see their teammates making fun of them 
or complaining about them. No one gets on the interview after the event and it's like, well, I think we would have done great today except for Morgan. She blew it and it brought our whole team score down by like five points, so we lost. Not a single athlete gets on TV and does that. No, they say, I'm so proud of my team. We did our best today. We played really great today. Why? Because this isn't about a person. It's about our team. When you win, our team wins. I want to see every one of you succeed, whether or not your personality is my favorite or whether or not I enjoy hanging out with you all the time. It doesn't matter. We're on a team. This is our body. It would be foolish of me to criticize any other part because I need you to win. You need me to win. We need our team to win. This is a team thing. It's not about a person, but it's about seeing this body be healthy. And listen, too many times we do criticize people for making mistakes. And I know that I understand, um, you know, there's people with the right heart who want to hold people accountable. And I understand that. But if you're not like that person's best friend or their mentor or their pastor or their life group leader, then you, it's not your job to hold them accountable. It's just your job to cheer them on. We are not to criticize each other because we're one body, one body. If you're having a hard time, it affects me, right? When any part of my body hurts, it affects me, right? Whether it's my tooth or my toe or just whatever. Why? Because it's part of me. That hurts me. I want that to get better because then I'm going to feel better. In the same way, when I look around and I see people struggling or see people making wrong choices or see people messing up, especially in a way that's public and stuff gets out, man, I want to see them get better. I don't want to criticize them because they're part of my body. This is part of my team. I need them to get better because then we can all function together. And that'll keep your heart right towards other people too. And I just want to encourage you guys tonight, your part really matters. And so do all the other parts. It is a really cool thing to be part of a community that God is using. If you really think about it that way, it is so just awesome to be a part of this body of Christ, he calls it, that is literally doing the work of God in the earth. That's what we're here for, and we do it best when we do it together, and we do it best when we're willing to serve, showing up and acting like Jesus, showing up and serving like it's God that we're serving and not just people, and showing up to serve knowing that like, hey, <laughs> I might be feeling like a little crusty today and I'm having a rough day, but I'm going to show up and refresh others because in the end, I know that I'm going to be refreshed. So I want to encourage you guys, next time you guys show up to serve, shake yourself, Give yourself pep talks. A couple years ago, I just had to start talking to myself a whole lot. You guys should hear me in my car. Like, today is going to be a great day. I'm going to have a great attitude serving others. I'm so grateful for my job. It's really an honor to get to help these people. The Holy Ghost anoints me and gives me favor with everyone. I have to hype myself up this whole time. But listen, I do that when I'm on my way to church, too. Like, God, I'm so excited to show up to your house today. I'm really grateful to come here today. I know that my part today is going to help people meet Jesus, and that means everything. It doesn't matter if I'm scrubbing toilets or watching kids or singing up there. It doesn't matter. My role is helping people meet Jesus. So start hyping yourself up. If you have found yourself having a bad attitude, stop and shake yourself and remember these truths. Serving is not just about working and it's not about a job. It's really about showing up and being part of this body and making it as healthy as it can be. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to me tonight. 
Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media.